Hello, this is Pastor Ben with Claire Church. Thank you for listening to today's podcast. If you'd like more information about our church or the chance to donate online, visit us at clairechurch.com. Good morning. I'm really excited about today's message. We are uh, in the middle of our series, Jedi and Jesus, making some connections between Star Wars and Jesus, and we've read about miracles that Jesus has done, where he's been able to do things that normal, everyday human beings like me and you seem to not be able to do. Kind of like when you watch Star Wars, you see the Jedi able to move things with the Force, and uh, make people say things that they uh, weren't actually saying, things like that. So, um, but today is a little bit different. Today's story, Jesus reminds me of Yoda. If you don't know who Yoda is, go watch Star Wars. He's one of my favorite characters. He's really only about this tall, uh, but he's one of the best Jedi ever. And he's like a little green alien looking guy with great big huge pointed ears. And the thing about Yoda is he doesn't really uh, say a whole lot, but when he does speak, it's deep. So he may not use a lot of words to say it, but when he does say it, it means something important that you should listen to. And that's what I see Jesus doing here in this story, that he uh, shows us and shares with us some kind of deep truth that we need to know and understand. And he does it real simple, real easy, in one phrase at the end of this scripture reading that we have today. Uh, so let's get started and let's take a look at this passage of scripture. Now, we're in John chapter 12. This story of Jesus being anointed with expensive per- perfume also appears in Mark chapter 14 and in a, in a place in Matthew's gospel. And the reason I picked this passage from John's gospel is because it tells us a little bit more details and things that were going on that Mark's gospel kind of leaves out. Because every week we've been in Mark's gospel. And in Mark's gospel, it's like short snapshots and on to the next thing. So it's then, and immediately this happened, and then immediately this happened, and immediately this happened. Mark is keeping his story moving at a really fast pace, okay? John's gospel slows down and takes more time to put extra things in, explain things a little more, do different things. So that's why we're reading this from uh, John's gospel today in John chapter 12. It says... Six days. Of course I can't. Oh, no video That was last week. So uh, <laughs> that was last week. So if you want to know what that video clip was, you should have been here. You have to get a time machine. Go back in time. It's a little complicated. All right. Today, John chapter twelve. Six days before the Passover, Jesus arrived at Bethany, where Lazarus lived, whom Jesus had raised from the dead. So six days before the Passover, and knowing where we are in John's Gospel, that we're getting a little bit closer to the end, because there's only 21 chapters. So we're past the halfway point. And when it says six days before the Passover, so this is about a week before Jesus is betrayed, that he arrives in Bethany. Do you remember why he went to Bethany? Kind of tells us in the verse right here, and if you back up to John chapter 11, you'll see he went to Bethany, because his friend, Lazarus, had died. 
Okay? They came to Jesus and they said, hey, didn't you hear that Lazarus died? You should go there. Or that he's sick or something. You should go there and get there quickly before he dies. And by the time Jesus arrives in Bethany, six days before the Passover, he's already dead. And Mary and Martha, who we read about in the story, that's the next uh, people we kind of read about. Mary and Martha tell Jesus when he arrives, if you would have been here, our brother Lazarus would have died. And what was interesting about this raising of Lazarus from the dead is there's three spots in the gospel that we see Jesus raising somebody back from the dead besides himself. One is there's a young boy who's and it's already in the funeral processional and brings him back from the dead. Last week we read about the young girl who was sick and the synagogue leader came to Jesus and said, hurry up, my daughter's dying. Can you help her, please? And by the time they get there, she's already dead. And Jesus says, she's not dead, she's just asleep. Wake up. We talked about that last week. Well, here's the thing about Lazarus coming back from the dead. When Jesus gets there, it says he'd already been dead for like three or four days to the point where the scripture specifically says he stinks. He stinks. That he had already been in the tomb. So it wasn't like he had just died and shocked him with the paddles or they were on the way to the tomb. He was already in the tomb, already decomposing, already stinking. Alright? And Jesus brings Lazarus back from the dead. That's what happens in chapter 11. So they're in Bethany where Lazarus lived. When Mark tells the story, it says they're at the house of Simon the leper. And so they think that maybe Simon the leper was uh, a Pharisee. They think maybe he was a uh, father or uncle or relative of Lazarus, Mary, and Martha. That's just interesting trivia. I don't know that it makes a lot of difference. All right. Here, this is verse 2. A dinner was given in Jesus' honor. Martha served while Lazarus was among those reclining at the table with him. So they have reason to celebrate, right? Their brother and Lazarus, his old self, who was dead, is now alive. And they say, Jesus, we want to thank you. We want to honor you. We want everyone to know how special and awesome you are. Come over for dinner. And so they want to honor him with this dinner. And like I said, they had a reason. You know, this wasn't just raising this little girl that had just died from the dead. This wasn't raising a boy that had just died. This was somebody who was already in the tomb. Jesus raised from the dead. So they're celebrating. They're honoring Jesus because of this. Then Mary took a about a pint of pure nard, an expensive perfume. She poured it on Jesus' feet and wiped his feet with her hair. And the house was filled with the fragrance of the perfume. So Mary, it wasn't just enough that they were having dinner together. There's something intimate about sharing and eating a meal together, right? There's something special that happens when we, when we do that. And it wasn't just enough to do that. Mary has to go and get something that Jesus says that she had saved to be able to anoint Jesus and to honor Jesus, to praise and give thanks to Jesus. 
And it says, uh, But one of his disciples, Judas Iscariot, who was later to betray him, objected. Why was this perfume sold and the money given to the poor? It was worth a year's wages. Think about this for a second. One, 16 ounces, right? That's a pint of perfume. Completely wasted, expensive perfume, worth a year's wages. So in our minds today, you could possibly insert the number about $30,000, $35,000. Boom. You know, why don't we just light some dollar bills on fire, right? Wasted. Couldn't it have been sold and given to the poor? Judas says. Uh, Judas makes a lot of sense, though, doesn't he? Doesn't what he say make logical sense? Like, Jesus, couldn't we have done more good with this if we would have sold it and used the money and done more good for more people than just what Mary decided to do with it? Now, it says Judas was a thief, but let's think about this for a second. Regardless of whether or not calling him a thief and giving him that kind of label, really, he's not that much different from us, right? He's not that much different from us because... Well, all he's doing is he's thinking of his own self, of his own ideas, of his own things that he wants to defend and do things his way. That this is what I would do with that if it were me, right? So he's not that too much different from us in trying to steal the spotlight or steal the praise and the honor of what... Mary was doing and shifting it towards what he would do. Are you following? I mean, think about this lesson for the life of the church. That instead of saying, uh, no, you can't honor Jesus that way. You need to do it this way. What if we just celebrated the fact that when anybody honors Jesus, it's a good thing? Right? But what has happened is too often we give people the impression, whether we say it out loud or not, we give people the impression that, no, you can't worship Jesus with that song. No, you got it with these songs, right? No, you can't worship Jesus with that gift of yours. You got to do it with these, or this way. This is the way we're used to doing it. This is the way it's always been done. And we don't do it that way. And somehow, all of that needs to get pushed aside to where we can say, if you honor Jesus, if you worship God, let's have more of that, whatever it is. Are you following? I need to get a drink, excuse me. <coughs> but look at this, look at what happens there. With this perfume that Mary pours out. Uh, on Easter Sunday, usually we have Easter lilies in here. They're very fragrant. And their fragrance will fill this whole room when you walk in on Easter morning. If, if you haven't noticed, it still works. Some of us don't. Uh, but 
So Mary pours out this perfume. It's as if her praise, her honor, her thanks just keeps expanding and spreading. It doesn't just make Jesus smell good. It doesn't just make her smell good. It doesn't just make the dinner table smell good. It doesn't just make that room smell good. It says it makes the whole house smell good. That there was no way that you could be there and miss the honor and the praise and the thanks that Mary was giving to Jesus. It started to just take over. That's what praise and thanks and gratitude can do in your life. Take over so that things begin to fill with joy, with the sweet fragrance of God's love and work. All right, so I'm not even to the excited part yet. I'm already getting excited. So Jesus responds to Judas. So Judas says, could we have sold this and help the poor? Jesus responds, he says, leave her alone. It was intended that she should save this perfume for the day of my burial. So he's doing foreshadowing again. This happens in all the Gospels. Time and again, Jesus tries to clue the disciples in what's going to happen in this story. I'm going to die, and on the third day I'll rise again. I'm going to die, and on the third day I'll rise again. They, they kind of just laugh it off, brush it off. And it says, you know, in Mark's gospel one week, a couple weeks ago, we said, it said that their hearts were hardened and they did not understand. It seems like they don't understand. They don't understand and they don't get it. But Je so Jesus, again, is trying to foreshadow and say, look, this serves a special purpose. This serves a special purpose. This is meaningful in this moment right here, right now. It reminds me a little bit of Ecclesiastes chapter 3. That Ecclesiastes chapter 3 says there's a time for this and a time for that. Right? And it goes through and do the things in their season that they're intended for. It reminds me a little bit of that. But here's the other thing. If you listen to what Judas said, he said, isn't that a waste? <laughs> what a waste. Isn't that a waste? And so it made me wonder, is this a waste? And what I'm saying is, is being at church on Sunday a waste of your time? Is being at prayer a waste of your time? Is singing songs of praise and thanksgiving and joy to God a waste of your time? Because sometimes I wonder if we don't treat it that way. In fact, we have so many voices out and around the world around us all saying, if it doesn't make you money, then it's a waste of your time, right? Is this a waste or not? And Jesus says, look, it's not a waste. This was meant for this purpose. That she would give me her best, her greatest, her most precious gift and give it to me, to honor me, to thank me, to praise me. Are you following, church, about what we are supposed to bring, about the praise that we're supposed to bring, about the thanks that we're supposed to bring? Or do we let things like Judas's negativity or comments or criticisms steal that praise and thanks and joy away from us? 
See, I think, let's read this last part of what Jesus says. So he says, this is not a waste. Leave her alone. It was intended that she should save this perfume for the day of my burial. He says this, and this is the deep truth, this one sentence that I think we need to pay attention to. You will always have the poor among you, but you will not always have me. And it seems kind of odd and strange for Jesus to say that. Because he kind of sounds like he doesn't care for the poor as much as he cares about himself. So I think we need to be clear about what Jesus is saying and what he's not saying here. Well, I want to start with what he's not saying and then we'll get to what I think he is saying. He's not saying not to care for the poor. Because if you know anything about Jesus, you know that that was high on his to-do list. In fact, when he shows up and he starts preaching, he says, repent of the kingdom of heaven has come near. He says, I have come to proclaim good news to the poor. Right? To set the, let the oppressed go free, to, give, to heal the sick, to raise the dead, to give sight to the blind. But all those lame, poor, sick, all those folks were an important part, high on his to-do list, that he was about. Because he said, this, the kingdom of heaven is coming. Repent and believe the good news. This is what God is doing. And it was very much focused on what Matthew chapter 25 calls the least of these. The least of these. So all that we know about Jesus we hear this saying, you will always have the poor with you. It almost sounds like you could use this as a justification saying, ah, see, we don't really have to give anything to the poor. We don't really have to take care of the poor. We're not going to get any results in it. It's not really going to change anything. So we run into what I see is a couple of different problems. The first one is that steals our joy away. Uh, one of them is that we get convinced of that this could be a waste and we don't see results. And I'll be real honest with you, that's one of the burdens that I think every pastor carries is that you do a lot of, a lot of work that you never see results for in people's lives. And uh, I think it's also something that I think a lot of churches carry with them, that you do a lot of work and you say, well, we, we have church on Sundays, and we do Sunday school classes, and we do vacation Bible schools, and we do kids' stuff, and fun nights, and all kinds of things, and we reach out to our community, we provide housing for the homeless, and we feed people at the food kitchen, and we, we do all this stuff. Why aren't we seeing the results that we want? And we begin to attach the results. And so, one of the problems that we face is, as that drains us, emotionally, and it steals that praise and that thanksgiving and that joy out of us, what happens? We kind of just get in a rut. We get in a rut. You see, and I think there's two kind of problems that we face in this. And the one is just another day. Just another day. Hey, it's your birthday. Happy birthday. Ah, it's just another day. Right? Just another day. Hey, it's Christmas. Yeah, it's just another day. It's your anniversary. Yeah, it's just another day. Just another day. Just another day. The other one is, 
We move too fast. We move too fast. That something happens that we can give thanks and praise about. And we might stop for a second. But then we're on to the next thing. And then we move on to the next thing. And the next thing. And the next thing. And we don't let the praise be the result. Because if there's something that Jesus, I think, was trying to teach them, is that this isn't just another day. And that the praise is the result. That when you praise, it brings more results. And so instead of criticizing and having negative voices, let there be more praise. See, I think Jesus was trying to get through to us that we need to give thanks and praise when it is time. And too often we move too fast that we miss the when, we miss the time to give thanks and praise. And other times, we just get so down and overcome or overwhelmed that we just say, ah, what difference does it make? It's just another day. Jesus is saying, he gives us an answer. And he says, this day is not just another day. No, Mary saved this up for this day. And Jesus says, this day, today is the day that the Lord hath made. I will rejoice and be glad. See, when you give praise, when you give thanks, when you give gratitude, you let it take over your life and take over how you treat the people around you. When you let this grow develop, when you give that praise, it multiplies. You see, it's a rebellion against the forces of evil. This is Star Wars stuff, right? He's, we're not fighting with weapons and violence. We're fighting with praise. We're fighting with love. We're fighting with joy. Right? So when you take time to claim and to name and to say, this is the day the Lord has made. I have a life. I can breathe. I can see the sunset and the sunrise and the flowers and the trees and the birds of the air. I have opportunities to see what God can do in people's lives around me. I have all kinds of opportunities all day long to see what God is doing and is at work. Today is the day the Lord has made. And I will rejoice and be glad in it. Today is the day. And multiply. It's like the praise brings the results. And that the results bring more praise. In fact, the scriptures tell us that God lives or God dwells on the praises of his people. God lives or God dwells on the praises of his people. So when you're speaking praise... And there may be all kinds of voices say it don't matter, it's a waste. But when you speak praise, you know that it's not a waste. 
you know that it is doing something. That in the face of even the worst suffering, to praise God brings his presence. Today is the day that the Lord has made. Will you praise Will you praise Him? See, I think there's a number of us that need to stand up and take steps in faith, in action, to say that, yes, Lord, I believe that today is the gift that you have given me, and I will praise you with it, and I will honor you with it, and I will rejoice, and I will be glad for this is your will for me in Christ Jesus. Will you praise? Let's, let's bow our heads and have a word of prayer. God, we thank you for your teaching from Scripture today and how it can impact and affect our life. That too often we let our busy schedules keep us from taking the time to have praise and gratitude. Too often, God, we get overwhelmed with pain and suffering and busyness. And we forget and we take for granted these days that you've given us. And so, God, we stand up so that we can kneel down before you and say the change is here now. But God, I will claim today the day that you've given me and I will praise you and I will honor you with it. I'm not going to let anything get in the way. I'm not going to let things steal that praise away from me. I'm not going to let things steal that praise away from my family, away from my friends, away from my church, away from the people I work with. Because God, I want to see your kingdom come. I want to see your praise multiply. And grow. I want that fragrance to fill everything. The God who raised Lazarus from the dead and you are raising us from the dead. Give us the strength and the faith to take today and praise you with it. And may others see your glory how important you are to me, to us, to your church. Amen.